0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show, Orange County's only talk radio show dedicated to featuring nonprofit organizations and their leader. With your host, Richard Franzi.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This community talk show airs on the last programming day. Of each month on Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. Our show can be heard live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. Although this Thursday's show, which will feature Dr. Mira Farka of Cal State University Fullerton, will be at 4 o'clock. If you're not totally confused, I'm sorry. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Bramman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club, a member of Club Corp. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs running middle market firms to learn more about the non-profit organizations serving the needs of Orange County and global residents. We have two guests today. Our first guest is Russell Hornbeek. He is founder and CEO of Music Saves Lives. Russell, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Let's start by talking a little bit about you. What led you up to starting this organization? Give us a little bit about your background.
2: Well, I ran a medical device company for 17 years and learned during that process. We we focused on medical equipment and so forth. Uh, One of our biggest clients was uh, the American Red Cross. And during that time, we were working in the tissue banking industry, and I developed instruments to work with the tissue banking industry.
1: What's tissue uh, banking?
2: Tissue banking. Uh, how can you say your donor dot on your uh, driver's license? Ah, okay, okay. So I was actually on a recovery team ah. for nine years. Ooh. Yeah, but okay. I wanted to give back. During that time, uh, You know, I still had that feeling inside of me that I wanted to give back. So during that, they asked me to start uh, developing surgical instruments that were specialized in the tissue recovery. When you did tissue recovery, uh, you can help up to 50 people uh, during that tissue recovery. It's, uh, you know, heart valves, uh, people that need transplants, and different tissues that were, you know, so I decided to... Uh, be a part of that and help out there. Okay. So that was kind of the start, and it was uh, a, a American Red Cross company. Uh huh. So during that time frame, um, right at the end, uh, the music, uh, the tissue bank industry was sold off, and I wanted to continue with the uh, the American Red Cross and help them out. I started and jumped over into the blood blood industry, hmm. and so you know the Southern California blood market with the American Red Cross. Okay. And that's where I learned. That thirty percent of the blood supply comes from colleges and high schools, and ah. uh, yeah, and then of course during the summer when school's out or during the holidays, that that blood supply drops drastically, and it drops thirty percent. So the it, it just kind of it, you know overwhelmed me and said you know what right. we've got to figure out a way of getting these kids back into donating blood
1: because there's such a large percentage of the total, huh? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you don't really think about our nation's blood supply. At least I don't generally talk, think about it, unless there's a yeah. natural disaster, and then right. it comes to your conscience because people are out asking for people to donate, Because right. it's really a perishable commodity, isn't oh, it? Oh,
2: absolutely. It uh, you, ha- you know it has a shelf life of forty days, but really the amount of people that donate, uh, you know, over fifty percent of the nation can donate. You know, they qualify and so forth, but only about five percent actually do so what happens is wow. our nation has 2 1 to 2 3 days blood supply in each type of blood type and you, and you really like you hit it right on the head nobody really thinks about it until that person you know which every one of us will have someone we know that needs blood right it could be for can- you know cancer patients use it all the time to recover from chemotherapy a lot of people don't realize that. No, I didn't. Like a transfusion. Transfusions. Okay. You get. You can. You know, chemotherapy is about, uh, about tearing down the system so that they get rid of the cancer. Right. But the blood is there to build you right back up, okay, and uh, it's it's used almost 60% of the supply that comes in goes to cancer patients.
1: Well, I'm speaking with Russell Hornbeek, and he is the founder and CEO of Music Saves Lives, and we're, we're right now talking about his background and sort of the inspiration for fu- for the starting this nonprofit organization, Music Saves Lives, and we're not quite year, there yet to talk about it, because I, I, I just want to sit on this topic of our blood supply a, a little bit longer. One of the things you mentioned to me yes. before the show even started, that uh, in delivery in, in the... In
2: oh, yeah. I mean, with uh, Mother's Day coming around the corner. Right. And I did. I looked this up, and, you know, I was kind of shocked. I mean, it was six out of every thousand uh, mothers that give birth will need a blood transfusion. That's just, a, a you know, a, a, something that's out there that, you know, you'd never realize. Right. And, and probably the the uh, average CEO running a middle market company right
1: now probably hasn't given a lot of thought to, God forbid, if they should be or a loved one, go to the hospital and need blood. The availability of the right type of blood—that's right—at that specific hospital, it must be a logistical nightmare in some ways to get that all coordinated. Uh, uh, yeah,
2: you know, uh, I'm on the side yes. of, of recruiting. Yes, you're bringing and, it in, and I'll tell you—you know—that's it, it's been you know a blessing to be able to connect with these young people to be able to do this. Right, but yes, you're right. The connecting of the types—you know, O negative is the most popular type. That's used. Okay. O negative is used for every type of blood. So if you, if somebody has a car accident, yes. and, and they're losing blood and they don't know what type they are, they are, they can get O negative blood. Okay, so
1: that's like a universal. It's a universal donor, donor or right?
2: So that's the one that's the most popular and the most needed across the board. I don't even know what I am. I'm looking around. My engineer doesn't know what he is. (laughs) Our
1: producer doesn't know what she is. So, okay.
2: This is the time to to figure that out. Right. You know, um, our organization, we run blood drives, or we sponsor and partner with these blood centers all across the nation. And you're able to find a drive and go out and donate. It really only takes about an hour, 45 Mm -hmm. minutes. The actual blood donation part is less than 10, 20 minutes.
1: Is young blood better? Not necessarily. Okay. okay, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's it's all good.
2: I, yeah, it's all it it it's all done the same. I mean, yeah, young blood's great, right? <laughs> right. That's, and that's that's we the, need more young blood. That's right, and that's and that's what our fo- our organization, of course, focuses. So on. So tell me about
1: music saves lives. Yeah,
2: music lot. saves lives. I, I it w- it came about because of that thirty percent that come from colleges and high schools, and when you go through the summer, and a lot of times you'll hear on tv and so forth hey there's a blood shortage and it always happens around the summertime and that's primarily because the high schools that are donating blood I mean typically you know if a lot of people when they gave blood if they gave blood at all it's because they they did it in school okay so our concept of music saves lives is making it a lifestyle not just something that you did in school something that you're reminded that you can do over and over and save somebody's life you save up to three lives every time uh, you go out and donate because the blood component can be broken up into three different types, and those types can be used to save someone that's in it needs a transplant, mm-hmm. emergency, cancer, just all types of different things. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And how frequently can a donor donate blood? You can donate whole blood every 56 days, and when I say that, it's like going out, sticking your arm out, and giving blood. Now they have of course they have a couple of other fun little things. They do this double red cell now, which is an actual machine which is a it's it's actually taking double the amount of red cells okay. and placing back the plasma back into your system. Okay. You can do that every hundred and twenty days. Okay. And then there's of course platelets which right. are very, very important for cancer patients. And those uh you can give about every two weeks. Every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And is that still an intravenous extract? It's it's very much, um, I can say, very much like the double red cell, like I was explaining. What it does is they uh, take off the platelets and then they put the plasma back into your system. Do you
1: find that, uh, you must find that once you get the youth that you're targeting Mm -hmm. to to be a part of the program, that it makes it easier for them to continue with the program, so it's not like a sponsored thing by the school, we'll go to right. the blood drive, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely, because okay. what what our focus is, is making and creating a great experience, is if you donate, we kind of throwing in a little bit of a, a bonus when, when you donate with Music Saves Lives. Basically, we're, we're saying, hey, go donate at an official Music Saves Lives location, or use our app to go donate at any location that you like throughout you know the nation okay and you can earn a badge and that badge is good for coming to any of our events and we're due, of course every year we do in the summer we work with the vans warp tour and you can come and meet a band go backstage. So there's
1: a VIP there's element There's a VIP this. element, absolutely. Okay. So, so it's
2: a, it creates a good experience for donating. Right. And what happens is these kids want to come back and donate again. Okay,
1: we're going to talk more about Music Saves Lives and Russell Horn, with H- Russell Hornbeek, who is the founder and CEO of the organization. But we're going to take this short commercial time out. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere, because we'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsors.
0: Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we're a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member at the IC.
3: Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714 560 9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com.
0: Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO Peer Groups. His second book,
1: And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. It's our special monthly episode where we feature worthy nonprofits that are serving the needs of not only Southern California residents, but global residents as well. Russell Hornbeek is our featured guest here for the first segment. He's founder and CEO of Music. Saves lives. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over twelve thousand five hundred episodes during the last thirty days, and we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station OC Talk or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com and other business-oriented podcasting services. You know, one of the things that we were talking about during the break, Russell, was that you have an event coming up on May
2: 17th. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. That that would be great. Okay. Yeah, you know, this is, I guess, geared a little bit more for your audience, for sure. This okay. is um, what it is. You know, our organization, we go out and we reach these young people, and they're, uh, of course, we're not asking them for money. We're right. asking them, you know, for the support we need. We're asking them to go and donate. So we we count a lot on the corporate donations and one of the small events of fun events that we do for uh some of our older you know and corporate people Uh is a uh a poker cigar night at wow. the Naples uh, Big Daddy Cigar.
1: Okay, so it's for a, those of you that are listening in Southern California, and probably most importantly Orange County, mm-hmm. where is that? It's uh, actually it's in Naples, uh, Long Beach. Oh, Okay, Even so it's there. right okay. right next so, door. Yeah. Right next L.A. too can come and play. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Cast the wider net, absolutely. And what would you get if you went?
2: Uh, you, cigars, what you do is poker? yeah, you get cigars, poker. We have food for the night, and, you know, and everything. One hundred percent goes to Music Saves Lives, and okay. there are great prizes. We have some great things that are given away at the at these poker nights. So if you you know want to sit sit around, smoke a cigar, play some poker. This is the event to go to. So, if you're
1: listening to this live on octalkradio.net, you have time to register. And if you're listening to us a podcast and it's not May seventeenth of two thousand fourteen yet, you have a chance to still go to the event. If you've that's missed correct. it, I, is this
2: an annual event? We, you know, it's actually ongoing. We do this oh. about every two to three months. Oh, okay, yeah. So. And and so, if you miss it, I'm sure you can uh, you know get a hold of us, right. And we'll we'll plug you in for the next one.
1: But that's no reason not to go this time. Absolutely, because this can is going to be a good one. Is it
2: always at this place? Uh, we we have been doing that. Okay. It's a lot of fun. They have a great uh, setup for it, and uh, you know it's beautiful. It's down, uh, you know, in the Long Beach area. I love Long Beach, and with the weather, the way it is, you know, just always warm. You know, you can't mess it. (laughs) All right, so
1: (laughs) let's talk about a little bit more about the importance of uh, your organization because I know that we've had uh, we just had a panel discussion on millennials and how important it is for them to give back. So I would think that you're you're reaching a core demographic that genuinely wants to give back. And this is a great way for them to do it in addition to other things that they're doing, right? Because this isn't a big time commitment, is it?
2: No, absolutely not. What's, What's great about this is that you can schedule it on your time schedule, go out, spend an hour donating blood and you've saved 3 lives. It's that simple. Wow. It
1: really is that simple. And you can do it every 2 months. Basically.
2: You can yeah, every 56 days, you're right there, you can come back and just do it again. Right. And you said only half the people in the country can donate blood? Yeah, well, you know, about 50% can. You know, there's a lot of different um different aspects like uh, okay. weight, uh if you've traveled to different countries, okay. you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, medical criteria. Healthy, you have to be healthy, healthy right? Right, right. Okay. You know, generally healthy, you know, and, and you're available to go and donate. Right. It's great.
1: When you started this organization nine years ago, yes. did you imagine, oh. fast forward, where you'd be now with a national footprint?
2: And Oh, it, it, it really has, you know, it's, it's been amazing and surprising and, and just had, uh, you know, it's been so so rewarding. You know, every year now we hit between seventy and 80,000 blood donations tied to this Van Warp Tour that we work with across the nation we 've got kids everywhere, every city helping out running drives and getting out and donating so this is a truly national footprint oh, that you have absolutely Do you have people in local markets that are helping you with the students yes we we have uh, organizations, clubs, music saves lives clubs on on college campuses. We have volunteers we have about a, a twelve hundred and fifty volunteer database Uh that works with us at at every date of this tour that we go out on and then of course we have other festivals that we work with and it's it's exciting to see how these kids get involved and you know it's exciting that we we affect the national blood supply during the summer between five and seven percent
1: so your your goal of filling in that gap where the is being achieved. Exactly. Of course, of course there's more to do, right?
2: Oh, there's always okay. always more and you know we have to create that new generation of blood donors. We have all this baby boomers that uh-huh. are that are they're getting older. They're do you know they they have a lot more different medications they're taking. That's what I'm thinking. They're, the pills
1: that they're taking oh, that yeah. must interfere with their ability to Absolutely. donate blood. I would think you want kind of clean blood in some ways right, right without right. all that in it.
2: Right. There's yeah. a lot of new medications which is great. I mean our life expectancy is going longer. Well, that just means that we need more blood. On the shelves, in case you guys need it. So there's almost Everybody. there's somewhat of a. Pri- <laughs> That's yeah. guys. There's, there's, I mean, you know, let's there's do a do prime
1: donating don- donating years. Then in some ways, right? But not only because you're healthier, you don't have right. these other complications that may inhibit you from being able to donate blood. It, it, it really is better for the young it's easier for the youngers They're probably more of a percentage of them that can donate than exactly. older demographics just right. for those reasons
2: right there you know there's a pool of people that are uh, you know they haven't started taking different you know different medications yeah, right. and all of that so okay. yeah absolutely so that's why the young people are important
1: our audience or ceos of middle market companies maybe they don't fit this demographic but more than likely they have sons and daughters and nephews and nieces and people maybe. Maybe even summer interns that could could work in this program, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the goal of being on the show, and I have Russell Hornbeek, who is the founder and CEO of the organization Music Saves Lives, is to educate them that this might be a good thing to let their children know about to be to, to give back to the community right oh absolutely and i would think that once they do this that might open their eyes to other opportunities to give back in other ways
2: yes uh, and you know what i think overall that's our goal i mean we're giving a, an outlet that they can actually go and donate and you immediately feel great about doing that you've done something that has helped the community that has helped uh, a local person that that needs your blood, and that's a great feeling. So you can turn that into so many other things. Right. You know, you you have now been uh, you know blessed with that feeling. You can go back and get it again in a lot of different ways. Right.
1: And tell your friends and Absolutely. build a community around it. Okay. So music saves lives is all about getting blood into the blood supply Mm -hmm. and rewarding those those youthful donors that are willing to make the commitment to donate the blood yes and and the warp tour is a huge anchor for you to kind of rally around right because it's such a widespread national Mm -hmm. and a lot of energy what type of perks do do they get if they donate blood and they're a consistent donor?
2: Uh, well, we, we work with, I mean, not only the Vans Warped Tour, but a lot of different festi- festivals. Like at the Vans Warped Tour, if you're the first 100 that come to our booth, you're going to get a backstage pass for the Vans Warped Tour. I mean, that's, that's amazing that you've got a, a, a festival here with 100 bands. You're going to be able to go backstage, grab pictures, do all kinds uh-huh. of stuff. Are they uh,
1: donating blood that day?
2: Oh no! We okay. want to, we want you to go out and donate ahead of time. Okay, that's one of the main things. And then, of course, if if you're not the first 100, you're still going to be able to meet these bands at our booth because our booth, we run the main stage bands through our booth. They get to do meet and greets, do wow. pictures right right there. So it's—I mean—that's just one of the benefits. And sure. We work with uh, a lot of different festivals. Sometimes we get uh, riser stages, so you can see the concert better. Maybe there'd be a side stage, so you could actually see your band right on stage with them. Okay, a lot of different
1: things. Well, you handed me also a couple things—a digital yes. reward card—and mm-hmm. what what are these that I'm holding? You can't see them on TV, but if you're at the YouTube, <laughs> you go to YouTube, uh, Richard Franzi uh, YouTube channel, and you'll be able to see me see. holding them up here.
2: Well, one of those cards is uh, a digital reward card. And and a lot of times you'll get maybe a t-shirt or something for donating. Well, our blood centers that we work with, we send these out and you're able to get this where you get exclusive meeting, you know, you get exclusive content. Okay. Download get a download music, meet a band and learn about them and we interview bands and we talk about it and we give that to you uh, for a digital rewards card.
1: So the idea is the music, the bands, are the music part of the music, Absolutely. and it saves lives at the donating of blood, and you said you save three lives for every time you give the donation of blood.
2: Exactly. I get emails all the time where a, uh, you know, someone had donated blood, and they said, wow, you know, it's really funny. I, I turned on the radio, and I, you know, I got a download of this music from you, and now it reminds me, every time I hear that song, I, I want to go and donate blood. Wow. So it becomes a lifestyle, not just something you did in school.
1: Right. What a, awesome. what a great thing for organizations to do that are ministering to young people as well uh, across mm-hmm. the spectrum, whether it's the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, whatever the organizations might be. There's a, there's a lot of good that can come from what you're doing. Thank you oh, yes. for taking the initiative to create something like this that is impacting so many people. And you said 3 to 5% replacement of the blood supply in the summer? Your organization? Yes. The needle. That, that is,
2: is huge. Yes. I mean, and we are really fixing that, that uh, blood shortage during the summer. That right. was my initial goal. Right. I wanted to go across the nation and fix that, that issue. Look at you, you're That's making good. a difference. I hope so. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's good.
1: So, it's good. So now there's there are CEOs out there going. Well, you know what? I have kids. I'd like to get them off there. You know, and get them involved in something. How do they find you online? How do they find Music Saves Lives?
2: Well, uh, the number one thing, which is it's great right now, is downloading our smartphone app. And I know that every CEO has given their. Ten-year-olds to, to uh, right. uh, their smartphones because they want them, uh, and download our app. You okay. can find out everything about that there. But you can also go to musicsaveslives.org, and of course we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh-huh. All of those are, you know, the handle plus uh, you know, music saves lives. So Instagram, dot, you know, Instagram, uh, uh, music saves lives. Twitter. Music saves lives. Well, there you go, Russell. Thank you for being a friend of the program and, and sharing what you're
1: doing and a part of this critical mass community. And thank you for the good that you're doing across our nation.
2: Thank you for having me. All it's right,
1: great, awesome. I love these critical mass nonprofit radio shows. I get to meet such interesting people that are making a difference in lives and giving them a chance to let our audience know about it. Hopefully, some of you will become engaged in it either directly. Or maybe have your children involved, or maybe do something through your office and work. So we're going to come back with Robin Sinclair, Executive Director of Casa Youth Shelter, after these commercial words.
4: When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best kept secret.
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass, nonprofit radio show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. As I mentioned before the break, Robin Sinclair, Executive Director of Casa Youth Shelter, is our guest for the second segment. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. Last month, we delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. If you'd like to learn more, contact Rose Chamora. She's our Vice President of Sales at 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. All right, Robin Sinclair, Executive Director of Casa U. Seltzer. welcome to the program.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: It's nice to have you here. Let's start by asking a little bit about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about your professional experience?
5: Sure. I started out in the world of education. I was a career and college guidance advisor, and I worked at the high school level, and I loved working with high school kids. And then I got into administration, and um, I realized after about 12 years of that that I was ready to work in the nonprofit field. I had had a short experience with a nonprofit that helped um, the homeless in Orange County. Okay. So I got a feel for kind of mission-driven work. right? And I loved it. So I had an opportunity to go to work for Habitat for Humanity of Orange County. Sure. A good friend of mine is the executive director there. Okay. And she said, you have to come here. You will find joy on a daily basis. You need to come here. So I was ready and I took that leap and I went there. Um, and I did that for about 10 months and then had an opportunity to go work for another organization called Boys Hope Girls Hope. And I was the executive director there for five years. And it was an organization that helped youth that were disadvantaged yet underprivileged. And it was kind of a combination of my experience with high school kids and the importance of the home that Habitat for Humanity provided. Uh-huh. So it was kind of a combination of the two. And then I had heard about CASA Youth Shelter, but had never met the executive director who had been there for 25 years. And I had heard that she was retiring And I thought, you know, everything that I've done up until this point really has prepared me. And so I thought, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring. And I threw my hat in the ring, and this June will be two years that I've been there.
1: Wow, look at you. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for giving so much of your career to these worthy causes and making a difference in Orange County. Let's talk about CASA Youth Shelter. for those that may not be aware of it, we're talking to CEOs of middle market companies here in Southern California across the country. What's What role does it play and a little bit about its history and mission?
5: CASA is really unique. It was founded by Mildred Jones who was a lieutenant commander in the Navy who had had an experience as a young woman working with another friend of hers that had wound up in juvenile hall. And she never had children, was never married had marched with Cesar Chavez and Dr. Martin Luther King and worked with who was then Governor Reagan, founded the first National Runaway Hotline. She was, you know, a modern day Mother Teresa in -hmm. the Orange County area. So she lived in Rossmore in Orange County and went to attorney at the age of 69 and said, upon my death, I'd like to open up a teen shelter. She knew that there was a shortage of shelters and she knew that nothing good could happen to a child on the streets. Right. So she opened up the shelter, and uh, well, she went to the attorney and said, "Upon my passing." And he said, "You're 69. You're not going anywhere. Let's do this now." And so she enlisted the help of the community and some people in the Los Alamitos, Seal Beach area. And I never had the opportunity to meet her. She stood four foot ten, and everybody tells me that you didn't say no to Mildred. Okay. And um, she asked you to do something. You said yes. How can I help? And so she literally went and opened up the shelter had no idea how she was going to feed the kids how she was going to staff it but within the first day of its opening it took four hours for a teenager to walk through that door so she knew that kids needed to have a safe place when they were in the middle of a crisis
1: and what year was that
5: this was um 36 years ago okay so she was 69 in 1978 is actually when she started and she um Lived till she was 96. So clearly, she wasn't going anywhere when she went to attorney and said, Upon my passing, I'd like to establish the shelter. So she, you just talk to anybody in the La Salle, CLB Jerry, and they all have a Mildred story. And you can feel her presence throughout the entire shelter. So she lived in the house next door, and the shelter that we have now is right there. So it's when she passed away, they leveled her house and put this beautiful sports court up so the kids can play volleyball and basketball but her mission was to find a safe place for kids in the middle of a crisis Mm. so it's a two-week shelter Um, kids come to us for a variety of reasons 74 percent of our kids are at risk of becoming homeless so they are either running away coming from a place of abuse um, they could be on the streets. They could be with a, you know, they could come in with a police officer or a school counselor, or they could come in with a parent, and a parent might just say, Help me learn how to communicate with my child. Okay. So, in all, you know, kind of all stages of a crisis, we've recently um, established a relationship with Homeland Security. So, we have recently had some young women that were victims of human trafficking. Wow. So, uh, the wide spectrum of what does crisis look like? How many you know, beds we help do them. you have? We have 12 beds, so six boys and six girls. Um, is our limit, but if a 13th child shows up at 3 o'clock in the morning, we're not going to turn them away, so we'll bring in a cot and let licensing know in the morning that we have a 13th child, and we're not a two-week shelter in the sense that it's 14 days, it's time for you to go. We would never kick out a child, but certainly a crisis could be resolved in 3 days and mm-hmm. it might be resolved in 17 days okay. and so
1: but it's really temporary housing it's right? a
5: temporary it's it's to just diffuse the crisis and okay. engage that child in counseling so we know we're not going to wave the magic wand our goal is to just get them in and just be safe and so you can imagine in the heat of an argument with mom and daddy the mom and dad are about to hurt each other maybe mom's about to hurt the child maybe the child got kicked out we've had young people that have come home from school and walked into their apartment and mom and dad are gone oh up and have left so you know mildred had this vision that we need to have a safe place for these kids and so they come to us and they get three meals a day and snacks and love and security and stability they get individual counseling group counseling family counseling And then we have parenting classes on Monday nights. So we know that in two weeks we're not going to cure them, but we hope that they'll come back and continue to see the counselors after they've left our care. Also, they can do that? As long as they want. Okay. The average um, stay for counseling after they've left our care is about three months. Okay. But we're not regional. These kids come from San Diego and the Inland Empire and San Francisco. and I mean, they come from all over. So we like to think that if they stop coming... To Casa for aftercare counseling, it's not because they don't need it. It's possibly because they have a therapist in their own hometown.
1: Okay, you put them on a the path, maybe. Correct. Right? We okay. have a
5: tremendous amount of resources. We have an amazing outreach team that is out spreading the word, and so we know other agencies out there. So if we, you know, if we know that they live in Riverside. We would refer them to a place yeah, that they can get help. For them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking with Robin Sinclair. She is the executive director of Casa Youth Shelter, which has been in existence since 1978. Any sense for how many? youth you've had in your shelter? Over
5: 11,000.
1: Over Mm 11,000. That's quite a community of of people that you've helped.
5: It is. It's it's just remarkable. And, you know, a child might come in and they're sullen and depressed when they come there and really within a few hours you can just see their whole mood is lifted Mm -hmm. and they just know that it's safe.
1: Any... What's the age range?
5: 12 to 17. 12 to 17. And in Mildred's infinite wisdom, she applied for a group home license. So what that means is that sometimes through the course of counseling, the child comes in and maybe a few days in the mom just says, you know what, the child's a danger to the home, danger to to his siblings, can't be here anymore, I can't do this anymore. Well, it's against the law to just abandon your child. You can't do that. So if that's the case, then we will file a report with the county, that, you know, possibly the parent has terminated their rights. A uh-huh. social worker is assigned to the case. And then in that case, the county determines that the child can't go back to that home. Okay. So they would find another group home for that child to go to. Well, Mildred applied for a group home license. So we have four beds out of the 12 that are dedicated. that They can be group home beds. So we currently actually have two young men that live at our house. Hmm. And they go to school locally. They participate in sports. And they go to prom. And they're regular kids. But wow. we are their home. Okay. Um, and usually we work with Orangewood, you know, and through Orange County and wow. social services. But um, that's
1: really not the focus. The focus is the temporary, the crisis intervention. Correct. But you have the flexibility on uh, correct. specific cases. Right. And mm-hmm. and
5: it's brilliant because otherwise the child would have to leave what has become comfortable to them and go to another group home. Right. So that way they can stay. So wow.
1: Twelve years old is a very young age. That it is. To be dealing with these kind of issues, I can't. I can't imagine how... Indeed, need they are when they show up at your doorstep
5: they are it's pretty phenomenal and you know what's really magical is to watch them go through the counseling when they you know go to a group counseling session and they sit with their peers and they find out that you know i'm not the only one going through this right you know my friend sitting right here is having a problem with her mom right. and then the mom comes back and they go to counseling together with the family and they're given the skills and the tools that they need so that they can be successful and leave successfully and mm. i've love survey Monkey, so I send out a survey at the end of each month to ask the kids and the parents, you know, how was the experience here? Right. Is it what you thought when you came in? Did you have these coping skills? And when you left, did you have the coping skills? And it's pretty wonderful to see that the success and how it works. The counseling works. It, it
1: transforms their lives. That's amazing. We have about two minutes left, but I did want to ask you a little bit about kind of homelessness here in Southern California. You know, Orange County, uh, this show is listened to nationally so people may not realize they may just think orange county from what they see on some of the popular previously popular television shows it really is the tale of i think two counties here in orange county there's certainly affluence and wealth but there's also a a lot of people that are in need and living at the poverty line or below and then you have even another group of people that are homeless beyond the people that are living in Marginal housing that have no homes. So, can you share a little bit about homelessness in Southern sure. California? Sure.
5: I have some statistics. Um, we have about 200,000 people identified, youth identified in California homeless. So, that's a lot that's of a homeless big youth. 28,000 in Orange County alone. Wow. And as I said, about 74% of the kids that come through our shelter are at the risk of becoming homeless. Um, as I was saying earlier, we have an amazing community outreach team and what we do is now once a month we go to the motels in Anaheim because so much of the motel population are homeless. So we tend to think that homeless people are the people we see on park benches or under a freeway overpass or, you know, pushing a grocery cart along the street and that's kind of what we think of as homeless. But the reality is, is if you look at a lot of the motels in the Anaheim area, um, it's it, they're called motel dwellers,
1: uh-huh.
5: and these are families, and oh. these are in a hotel, a motel room, and there might be ten people living in one motel room. And oftentimes, people will say, "Well, come on, can't they just go get a job? Why can't they just go get an apartment?" Well, to get an apartment, you need first and last, and usually a cleaning security security deposit, and then you need this, you know, ridiculous amount of money to move in, and perfect credit, and a job, and you know, a lot of these people don't have don't it. They have are that. truly living day to day.
1: So you can't judge the homeless situation by what you observe on the street corner not at all you're being very superficial and somewhat ignorant to the plight of people if if that's how you gauge how many homeless people you see in orange county
5: absolutely and especially when you see that the kids are the ones that are really the victims right and so you know mom especially with the recession you know you've got mom out of work dad out of work they're doing everything they can to make it to happen you know keep it together Right. so we go to the motels um one saturday a month and do a whole outreach to them and it's really been very um Eye opening, and yet we're able to talk to the parents and let them know that we're there for them because you can imagine the stress that goes on in those motel rooms.
1: Yes. And oftentimes they're
5: looking for just some resources for their own kids. Right.
1: We're going to take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. Robin Sinclair, Executive Director of Casa Youth Shelter, is our guest for this segment, and we'll be back with more to learn more about her organization after these words from our commercial sponsors.
4: When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's US-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management.
1: I just want to share with you my experience as a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa. Many of you know that I've been a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa for over four years. I hold my monthly CEO peer group meetings there, my annual executive conference attended by CEOs and executives of companies with two to one hundred million dollars in revenue, and my daily business meetings at the Center Club. I found the staff to be professional and courteous at all times. My guests enjoyed meeting at the Center Club with its newly remodeled meeting rooms, dining rooms, and the common areas. If you're looking for a place to conduct meetings, host events, or meet some of Orange County's most successful business leaders, then you should consider joining Center Club of Costa Mesa. For information regarding club membership and private events, such as weddings, uh, please visit the club's website at center-club.com. That's center-club.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Robin Sinclair, Executive Director of Casa Youth Shelter, is our guest during this segment. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,500 shows during the last 30 days, and we at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Robin, can you share a little bit about the guiding principle that you're you're using to lead and grow CASA Youth Shelter?
5: I can. I actually can think of a couple. Um, One in particular um, came to me when I was working at Share Ourselves, and I remember going to the executive director at the time, Karen McGlynn, and I said, you know, how do you make decisions? Sometimes it's hard for me to make a quick decision, and she said, if you always reflect on your mission statement and always ask yourself if it supports your mission then that's the direction you need to go in. And that was prob- that was in 2000. So that was 14 years ago. And I I use that every single day. Because, you know, being an executive director of a nonprofit, you, you know, no two days are the same. Right. No two hours are the same. On any given day, anything can happen. Anything can come up. I said it's like the Chuck E. Cheese game where you're hitting one thing and the whack-a-mole. next <laughs> <it> pops up. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, you know, it's hard to sometimes make that right decision. But if I can stop and ask, you know, A, what would Mildred do? And B, what is the mission of CASA? Then it really keeps me grounded and it makes me, um, you know, it points me in the right direction. It brings
1: focus to it, I Mm -hmm, would think, mm -hmm. right? Okay.
5: And then the other one is just I've always thought, go where there's an opportunity to grow. So I've always looked at my staff as, you know, wanting to develop their skills. So I might... Hire somebody that comes in with one skill set, and find out that he or she has this amazing other skill set. And so, I've always really tried to encourage them to go where there's an opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. And when that opportunity stops, go and venture out and take a risk, and you know, and just go and do what you need to do.
1: Right. And that's you know, smaller nonprofits really need a multi-talented workforce because they have to wear so many hats. Limited resources. Yeah, you don't have. You can't put a body at every problem. You have to have people who can do a good job at many different things, right? Right, right. You have to be resourceful. You do. Yeah, on a limited budget, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Very tight funding. Um, can you <coughs> Excuse me. Can you talk to our audience about a current challenge that's facing Casa Youth Shelter?
5: Um, you know, I've never seen an organization so well supported by the community. So I have to say that um, I'm very fortunate to work in an environment where on any given day a community member might pop in just to say hi or bring a bag of groceries or bring a, a lovely gift, Um, So the community support is incredible. And what CASA had for 25 of the 36 years was Lucianne Mulhart, who was the executive director. And, you know, CASA is a family. It's it's more than just a nonprofit organization. So here I come in, and I'm not from the Los Alamitos area. I live in Newport, and it's a completely, you know, it's a different community. And so I've had to learn... Who, who, who were the key players there? And I'm having to kind of be my own person. And as I said from the beginning, you know, I can't be Lucian, but I can be the best Robin that I can be. And I'm now two years in, so I think I've earned, you know, the trust. But it took time. You can't force something like that. It's just it's somebody new, and I'm not trying to make changes. I'm not trying to do anything radically different, but. I naturally have, you know, different eyes and I see right. things differently and I'm bringing my years of education and my years of experience in the in the education and nonprofit world. So it's I'm bound to do things differently. So that's been a bit of a challenge. You know, people say I love change and the reality is is people don't love change. Change is scary. Yeah,
1: it's the rare person that really would love change. Mm-hmm. It's cuz it's uncertainty.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And so I spent probably the first year really learning the culture and the climate of the organization and it's an amazing staff, and I wasn't hired to turn it around. You know, it was in great shape. It's a well-oiled machine. I just was hired, I think, to carry on Mildred's vision, and, right. and I work with Lucian. She's a fabulous advisor, and I'm able to just kind of take it to the next level, and I feel like I've been able to bring technology and, um, you know, some of the human resources and, you know, different areas of my life in the last 10, 15 years, I feel like I've been able to bring to CASA.
1: I'm talking with Robin Sinclair. She's Executive Director of CASA Youth Shelter. You know, I wanted to ask, because I love this opportunity to let our audience know about events that the nonprofits may be hosting that are not too far into the future. So can you talk to us about any events or an event that you might have planned that people could become involved with?
5: Well, and you talk about change. So we have had the same event for the last 36 years, which is a Commander's Ball. And they called it Commander, obviously, because of Mildred and her experience with the military. And so it had been you know 36 years and everybody said okay we're done you know we've done it we've had this wonderful run and you know it's not like the event's going away and that you know 400 500 600 people were still attending but the core people that put this event together said you know we're it's we need something new we need right you know kind of a shot in the arm so i have experience with some events and so um we're going to do a theater event much like is done at an organization that i was just recently at so we're going to have an event in january of 2015 we'll start off at the weston and have dinner and then we'll walk over to the segerstrom center for the arts and see kinky boots and mm. have just a lovely theater night. Okay. And um, it's not, you know, our event has been at the Queen Mary, it's been at the Spruce Goose, it's been in at the Huntington, at the Hyatt Regency. So this, we're moving it to this part of Orange County. But I'm really hoping that by bringing it to this part of Orange County, it'll kind of give it a different look. Okay. And we might be able to get some corporate sponsors from the tech area, you know, over by the spectrum possibly. And right. get some new people to learn about CASA. Because we have a great community support team, but... I'd love to see it bigger.
1: Isn't that always one of the challenges that executive directors of small and middle market nonprofits have? Is to grow your com- your community, your constituents, because you have this loyal base, but you, you make sure you don't want to fatigue them. Absolutely, right? you need to, and, and it's always good to have more people who care about your cause.
5: Absolutely, we have to spread the word, and we were just talking about this recently that it's great that they invite their friends to every event. But at one point, you know, the friends say, please don't invite me. Right. You know, it's I don't an obligation. Get, yeah, right. I don't want to get a tux again. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go through the whole thing. So let's do something different. Right. So I'm hoping that this is going to be something new for this particular group. And it's a super fun event. And it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. So it's in January of 2015. Okay. Um, you can go to our website okay. and get all the information on all of our events. We have a very a very robust website. And okay. we have a Facebook and we have an Instagram and Twitter and we have a wonderful marketing and communications um, person that does an amazing job getting all of our word out to everybody. Does we have a great
1: blog. Does this person have a name?
5: She does. Her name is Virginia Kerwin. And um, t- you talk about skill set. She came in as a fund development coordinator. You mm. know, to run our development team, which right. development in a nonprofit world is you know business and sales and. How do you fundraising? Right. Um, and she wound up having this incredible skill set in graphic design and social media. So she's really done a fabulous job getting our word out. And so you can go, on, like I said, onto our website and find all of our information. You can register online. And um, we would love to see you there.
1: How do you find your website then? We are is at
5: www.casayouthshelter.org.org.
1: Do that again for me.
5: Casa org, so org.
1: Okay, so uh, we're going to be wrapping up now, but I- you have one last chance to talk to CEOs of uh, middle market companies here in Southern California. What would you like them to know about Casa Youth Shelter that they, they may not have heard yet or didn't know before this interview started?
5: You know, your participation will absolutely change lives. There, are, When you have an organization like ours that is it's small it's very hands-on, so it's not like you're going to, you know, call us and it might take a week for us to get back to you. If you call, chances are I will be the one talking to you. If you wanted a tour, any one of the staff will give you a tour probably within that day or the next day. If you wanted, you know, we're very hands-on, we're very tangible. Um, it. If you bring in a lovely dinner. The kids are going to eat it that night. Mm-hmm. So I know sometimes people want to be able to see where their dollars go. Right. And, you know, we we will make sure that it goes to the right place. Eighty-five cents of the dollar goes right to our kids.
1: That's what I've seen from, middle, from middle-sized and small nonprofits. They're very efficient with the dollar donations. There's a very high percentage of them that go right to serving mm-hmm. the cause and doesn't get caught up in anything else, which is a great way to make a difference with your money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the fine work you've been doing in our thank community, you. and and the work for the past two years. It's great to have you a friend of the radio show and a part of our Critical Mass community. Great,
5: right. thank you, thank, thank you, you for having me,
1: Robin Sinclair. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this section or segment of Critical Mass nonprofit. Radio show. We do this to help expose you to these worthy nonprofits that are serving the needs of Orange County and our global residents. The show is brought to you by our advertisers Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club, a member of Club Corp. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Crystal Nunley is in control as our producer. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our marketing strategist is Asia Celestino, and our live events coordinator is Melissa Padani. Our VP of sales, Rose Jamara, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, maybe the CEO peer groups that I leave, or you have an idea for a future guest, or maybe you want to advertise on the radio show, visit CriticalMassForBusiness.com. for forbusinesscom Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to the Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show, Orange County's only talk radio show dedicated to featuring nonprofit organizations and their leader, with your host, Richard Franzi.